if you've ever wanted to see a quokka, make sure you go to Rottnest Island. It's an island that sits off Fremantle and is very beautiful. Uh, locals say they play quokka soccer. I don't know if that's true. I've never seen anyone kick a quokka. But uh, if you want to uh, see a strange marsupial, then you do need to go to Rottnest Island. If you've ever wanted to know what a koala and a kangaroo would look like, it's it's basically a quokka. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, a code cracker. We're going to have a chat about the Perth market. We're going to do a bit of a history lesson with Western Australia, and we're going to give you some insights into perhaps looking into the Western Australian market, what to look out for, tips and strategies on understanding Western Australia. Hey, if it's your first time tuning into the show, welcome aboard. Welcome back if you're an urban property investor. Let's do this. Let's rock this show. I tell you what, make sure you play the show in double speed. Get your life back. And of course, all the episodes I've done are lessons on real estate. So go back, listen to some others. I've done market reviews of different markets over the podcast. I've done the Melbourne market. If you want to understand Australia's future biggest city, go check out the Melbourne property market overview. I gave you, uh, it's probably about 50 episodes back. I've also done the Brisbane market overview. So you can always go back and listen to that if you're interested in that marketplace. And of course, I've done an Olympics overview as well. So a lot of different marketplaces when it comes to Australian real estate. And of course, a new world city that Australia has is the city of Perth. Of course, Australia has two global cities, uh, really global brands, the brand of Melbourne and the brand of Sydney, which make great property places. We have two new world cities, the city of Brisbane and the city of Perth. Of course, new world cities are just that. They are cities which are trying to grow. They're trying to grow their population base. They're also trying to grow their brand. And we do see that with where Brisbane is headed, particularly with its Olympic Games. So New World Cities are fundamentally places which really do grow their profile at a global level. They attract new confidence, new businesses, and really for a lot of internalized migration, New World Cities tend to be quite in vogue. What tends to happen is global cities are more expensive, bigger, and of course, uh, one way to extract yourself locally from a global city is to think to migrate to new world cities. And Australia has got two of them. They're very innovative places. They're very uh, economically sound places both Brisbane and Perth. But today, we're going to look at uh, the idea of the Perth property marketplace. It is a bit of a foreign field for many property investors. In fact, let's face it, if Western Australia 
went through with the idea of leaving Australia and starting their own country, they'd probably be better off doing that. They are loaded over there. They are so wealthy. They have so much iron ore, so much natural resources. They really are the world's quarry. They are the most remote city on earth, which is interesting. And certainly they felt like a different planet when we went through the corona pandemic. Uh, Western Australia blocked itself off, became the North Korean state of uh, the mainland. But it's interesting because Western Australia is very, very wealthy. Uh, If they actually extracted themselves and started their own country, they would be the richest OECD country on planet Earth. That's how wealthy they could be. And of course, a lot of Western Australians um, don't like the fact that a lot of their minerals, if you like, get... uh, mined and GST is created and that GST leaves Western Australia and props up other cities, places like Adelaide and Melbourne and so forth, get propped up by Australia's natural resources over in the West. So Western Australians are one of the uh, world's richest people. And uh, today, if Australia was to have I don't know, the Saudi Arabia of Australia would certainly be Western Australia. And you do see this in the income profile of Western Australians. Other than those living in Canberra, people inside Western Australia make the most amount of money. They're basically the highest income earners inside Australia. And what's so interesting at the moment when it comes to property, of course, is you've got a very good income-based society and actually very affordable properties today in the real estate market of Western Australia. In other words, the property market in Western Australia is very equitable. There is the ability for it to grow locally because of the ability to go and borrow money and simply pay more for property. Uh, People inside of Western Australia earn more than, for example, uh, New South Wales, but New South Wales properties are twice the price. So when you start to use the logic that people have to go and borrow money and if they're willing to pay more for properties, they will, of course, have the ability to borrow money to go and do that. And around Australia today, obviously, we've got interest rates on the move. um, And for many marketplaces, they are no longer equitable marketplaces. They are what we would call bearable marketplaces. The incomes in society can basically just bear the interest rates and rents. um, But if it was to go up any further, it would be a bit of a problem. However, Western Australia does not necessarily sit in this category. And in particular, specifically speaking, Perth does not sit in a category where there is too much debt in the market and, of course, where incomes can't afford property values. It's the polar opposite. And, of course, uh, there is some logic around 
property investment that it is quite good to spread our wings around various marketplaces. And of course, today, because of the price points of many other favorable places to invest, your Sydney's, your Melbourne's, your Brisbane's, uh, a lot of property investors are starting to awaken to the idea that maybe Western Australia is a good value proposition. Now, the idea of a value proposition is just the concept that if we can find something that's affordable, where the rents take care of the asset and the location of the asset is, you know, a reasonable place, then there's probably value in that marketplace. And Perth today is probably Australia's most value-driven offer when it comes to a city over a million people. Certainly, if you would attract a lot of the click-throughs when it comes to websites, Western Australia is getting a lot of traffic, particularly coming out of New South Wales. A lot of people are looking into the market over there. Potentially, a lot of property investors are looking to put their foot on something inside of Perth uh, to call it a property investment marketplace in their portfolio. So over the last two decades, Perth has had some different, I guess, levels of growth. And I want to give you a little bit of a lesson and history lesson around Western Australia. I first invested in Perth in 2003. The Perth market back then was very bearish. There was uh, signals that things were about to grow. And off the back of mining boom number one, Perth just took off. And one of my favorite property investment stories was I put $15,000 on an off-the-plan property over in Perth back then. And by the time that property was built around 18 months later, I'd made around $180,000. And for me, at that particular time of my property investment career, it was an extreme amount of money for me. So I used that money um, and I created more seed investments to invest in many other marketplaces from, certainly from that uh, result. So Perth has been a kind property market for me. I've done well in it, but it certainly has gone through periods of stagnation. And probably the best way to understand the history of property inside of Perth, the greatest boom that Australian property has ever seen occurred basically in Perth, and it coincided with the mining boom number one. So for about three years, from around 2003 to circa 2006, the property market in Perth uh, doubled, but virtually almost tripled in value. Uh, properties which were $200,000 at the start of the boom, by the end of the, the cycle were close to $600,000. It was ridiculous. Like 
we were seeing at the time, you know, properties inflate by $10,000 a week. Um, it was very, very fast and furious. In fact, back then, I actually uh, was working and starting the business that we run today. And there was so much work happening in Western Australia at the time that we actually had to change our office hours. We were basically working uh, in the evening over here, doing deals in Western Australia because so many people wanted a piece of that accelerated capital growth. Uh, I remember doing deals at like two in the morning over this side of, of the ditch, um, you know, talking to people from different time zones and so forth. So Western Australia, when it goes, it can be pretty exciting. And one of the reasons is you've got this kind of high income society, but um, what quite often Western Australia needs is more buyers coming from other places to shorten the stock levels to push and accelerate growth. And so obviously, if investors are looking into the marketplace inside of Western Australia, it could soak up a bit of supply and that'll mean the locals start to jostle for assets. And in reality, you'll probably see some growth inside the Perth marketplace. Now, Perth uh, and Western Australia, it is a marketplace which encourages people to stay. Um, it is a marketplace where there is a lot of first home buyers. Um, around 25% of the market is first home buyers. It's very different to, for example, New South Wales, where only about sort of 15% of people are actually first home buyers inside of New South Wales. Western Australia is kind of still this land of opportunity to live the great Australian dream, to grow up in Perth, buy in Perth, um, buy another investment in Perth. And you do find within Western Australia, Perth people are very centric about Perth. They don't necessarily feel like... Um, Investing the other way is on their radar. Um, I've run a business in Perth um, over the years and Perth people were very reluctant to follow East Coast logic and buy in, for example, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Um, it's all about Perth. And so Perth itself is one of the most beautiful cities in Australia. If you've never been there, do yourself a favour. Get yourself on a six-hour flight to Perth, um, make sure you get some leg room so you don't get deep vein thrombosis. But it is beautiful and it's obviously a city which is built around the Swan River. It's a city built along the coastline of Western Australia and as such, it is very, very pretty. It, it does uh, in some ways... Um, you know, invoke the Sydney vibe in when, when as a very beautifully, uh, you know, beach-like city. It's obviously much smaller than a Sydney, but it's certainly from a, uh, 
environmental perspective has a lot going for it. Beautiful beaches. It's obviously got Rottnest Island, um, which of course is a beautiful place to travel to. If you've ever wanted to see a quokka, make sure you go to Rottnest Island. It's an island that sits off Fremantle and is very beautiful. Uh, Locals say they play quokka soccer. I don't know if that's true. I've never seen anyone kick a quokka. But uh, if you want to see a strange marsupial, then you do need to go to Rottnest Island. If you've ever wanted to know what a koala and a kangaroo would look like, it's it's basically a quokka. So uh, Western Australia is a very wealthy place. And of course, when you track the concept of Australia's big companies, they are all linked to the ingredients of Western Australia. Uh, When you track American big companies, the ingredients are really uh, around today, particularly around tech, you know, your Googles, your Amazons, your Apples. I mean, these are the silicon companies that rule the world. They are the world's biggest enterprises. For Australia, though, we are a very different nation. We are really driven by the fire economy, which is banks, uh, which is real estate REITs and insurers. And so technically what you kind of have is Sydney and Melbourne run the fire economy. And the fire economy obviously is driven through finance. So jobs are created and manufactured through money, through finance. And I've mentioned this on a podcast I've done earlier in the year. I think it was actually one of the first or second podcasts I did at the start of the year that migration economics is is really why, uh, you know, serves the fire economy, right? Like you basically uh, bring more people here, build more houses, start more coffee shops, sell more land, sell more insurance, lend more money. It's kind of the model of the fire economy. So the closer you are to the fire economy, if you're going to invest in Melbourne or Brisbane or Sydney, is is you, the better off your property investment's going to be. In other words, the CBD is still where the fire economies locate and are located and obviously if you can buy close to those areas you're going to do really really well because that is our economy if you look at the biggest companies in australia four or five of them are part of the fire economy brisbane if you like has part fire economy and also part mining economy so the big four economies inside of queensland if you like is the fire economy is the tourism economy, agriculture, and mining. So in Western Australia, you have really the other uh, parts of Australia's economics, which is agriculture and mining. And if you look at the top 10 companies in Australia, you will see a lot of companies which are, you know, really operating out of Perth these days. Companies like West Farmers, top 10 um, company in Australia, companies like Rio Tinto, companies like BHP. These are the big, big uh, companies that really control the economic output of Australia. And so 
Western Australia, albeit not part of the fire economy, is actually a different economy. And one could argue fire economics is kind of fake, right? You need more people to put into the funnel to create more uh, lending, to create more insurance, to create more stuff. Um, The opposite can be said for Western Australia. You need iron ore. If you want to build something, you're going to need steel. Steel comes from iron. That's the way it works. If you look at the way the world is unfolding, it needs a lot of steel. A lot of emerging uh, countries around the world are building infrastructure. You really have what is known as brick economics, if you like. Uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, huge, huge Countries are needing a lot of natural resources to grow their country based from a frontier economy to really a um, a almost Western-style economy. And so a lot of, obviously, that comes from Western Australia. A lot of the ingredients countries need come from Western Australia because Western Australia has in the Pilbara huge amounts of iron ore. It has iron ore, it has bauxite, it has copper, it has gold, it has uh, lithium, it has a lot going on. So some of the towns that are in Western Australia are very much littered over a huge landmass. And a lot of them are energy or mining places. So, for example, you've got Kalgoorlie, one of Australia's largest gold mining communities, um, about sort of three hours uh, from from Perth itself uh, by by basically air. You've got uh, Port Hedland, which basically ships out all of the iron all across the world. And then you've got places like Karratha right in the northern part of Western Australia in the Pilbara whereby there's a lot of also gas projects in the Timor Sea. And I think I've got a listener up in uh, Karratha. I think we had a chat uh, a couple of maybe a year ago. I don't know. hope you're doing well, listener in Karratha. Um, so Western Australia is doing, doing well and a lot of – I guess people inside of Western Australia are very much also invested in mining. And so quite often when there is good dividends from resources or mining out of obviously the results when it comes to economics at a global level, if they share dividends, people in Western Australia tend to do very, very well. A lot of even the workforce in Western Australia might work, for example, for Rio, but also have shares inside of Rio Tinto. They invest in what they do, which is pretty cool, right? So when it comes to, I guess, consumer confidence around uh, Western Australia, around Perth to be more specific, Confidence levels are pretty high. And I think uh, one of the reasons there is there is today a lack of places to buy affordable properties on the east coast of Australia. So it could be argued that people are looking in Western Australia, looking in Perth, if you like, 
because there is really nowhere else to go. And uh, of course, that logic could be uh, a little bit true in the context that a lot of people like to buy in their own backyard. And obviously, whether it's from Hobart to really Brisbane or even Hobart to Noosa, if you like, most of the marketplace along the coastline is fairly well priced. It's got a pretty solid price today. So uh, Perth is a property market whereby the real estate is actually quite affordable. In fact, Brisbane's property market is now uh, more expensive than Perth. Adelaide's property market is more expensive than Perth's at a median price. Uh, Sydney's property market, obviously much more expensive than Perth and also Melbourne's. So from the big five cities which have more than a million people, Perth is now coming last when it comes to its median property price. And of course, uh, today you can really get three properties in Perth for the price of one in Sydney. And it wasn't always that way. As I alluded to, there was a massive boom between circa 2003 to 2006. Back then, Perth was the second most expensive property market in Australia, just sitting behind Sydney, just by a nudge. And as I alluded to, it was the biggest growth rate we've ever seen in property. If you thought the recent boom we had was, uh, you know, quite exciting, the boom back then uh, dwarfed it. It was massive and uh, it was a great time. I was heavily invested over there back then. And then the Perth market went to sleep. So today, the uh, at a broad level, you know, the median price of a, of a property, of the housing market, if you like, in Perth is circa around $550,000. Now, uh, Brisbane and Adelaide are circa seven fifty today. Melbourne is a million and Sydney is one point four million. So you can see that Perth, you know, has gone through a period where it has not grown comparable to the eastern states or to pro- property markets within the Brisbane line. The Brisbane line is just a line between Brisbane and Adelaide and everything underneath it. So. Perth had had the biggest downturn in Australian uh, property market history. And it was a slow downturn. It took 63 months before Perth actually recorded positive price growth. Now, a lot of it came off the back of between 2003, 2006, the Perth market virtually tripled in value. So there was a point where the market went, well, this is ridiculous, let's tap out. Then, of course, we had 2008, the GFC. By around sort of 2011, you were looking back at the Perth market going, well, what's about to happen next? And really it went uh, from around sort of 2012 to 2018, 19, just going down in value. I think it was 
63 months in a row, it actually recorded price drops. And eventually, it found its flaw. And today, those price drops have uh, have started to rise again. In other words, we found the bottom of the market and things since then have started to climb. We haven't seen an accelerated amount of capital growth, but certainly um, at a macro level, the market is what we would refer to as more of a rising market than uh it's six years in a row where it fell in value. Now, you can read into that fall in value um, through, uh, you can you can make your own decision around why it was falling in value. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the way the mining boom ended in 2011. There was two mining booms, mining boom one, mining boom two. Uh, basically, what happened was a lot of people left Western Australia and they were transient people. And I've mentioned this before, when you study population movement statistics, what you really need to study is are families moving to put roots in the ground in, a, in an area. And for Western Australia, back in 2011, 12, mining boom two, there was a lot of FIFO workers. So people would fly from the Sunshine Coast to Perth to go work in a mine in Newman and they would disappear for three weeks, do their mining work, come back out and, uh, you know, go back to the Sunshine Coast. This was very, very common. And again, a lot of the population statistics were a little bit uh, flawed. Like people, uh, when infrastructure projects ended, they went back to where they originally came from. Some were Western Australians, some were from New Zealand, some were from the eastern states of Australia. So during the mining booms, during the uh, that period, there were mega projects being created across Western Australia. There was something like the top 10 mega projects in the world, there was like three of them basically in Western Australia, particularly out in the Timor Sea. And so a lot of what was happening, we called it a mining boom, but it, it also was an infrastructure boom. So there was a lot of people involved in creating that infrastructure and what happened is they actually left Western Australia because the infrastructure jobs ended. And so they made a lot of money and then they left the economy. Today, though, the infrastructure is not needed because it is built. And really, um, all of that energy and mining activity now, it's just stock in trade. It's just constantly working. It's efficient. It's working and today, Perth's economy, if you like, has rebuilt itself as a smart economy. Today, some of the smartest ideas in the mining industry, for example, robotics, um, some of the ways to efficiently mine things are all coming out of Western Australia. And of course, today, uh, the economy of Perth has certainly morphed since 
really mining boom too. And I think for the first time, we are now starting to see people move to Perth to put roots in the ground. The recent population statistics around Western Australia was just that, that a lot of people now are moving there because it is a very nice place to live. They're not moving there to work on an infrastructure project. It's a very, very different story today. They're actually moving there to live there, to start families there, to create opportunity there. Now, I don't know about you, if you guys know any people from Western Australia, uh, some of them are pretty loose. I know Hot Dogs from Big Brother. He is a loose cannon. He's a lovely fella. Uh, We actually work together. Um, I know a couple of billionaires over in Perth. I know Hot Dogs in Perth. Uh, Actually, my mum, believe it or not, comes from Western Australia. So Perth people, they're a unique breed. But uh, without question, the reason I think they are unique is they are a bit cut off from uh, the rest of the world. They, they are isolated. Western Australia is the world's, uh, the world's most remote, remote city. And of course, this was probably an advantage when there's a pandemic on. Um, But of course, Western Australia is one of these marketplaces where a lot of businesses trial new ideas because it is a isolated city when it comes to world standards. But when it comes to connectivity, it is an interesting marketplace because a flight to, for example, Bali is three hours. A flight to Singapore is like four hours. So Perth is actually very connected to many of the Asian economies. And as such, it is far more connected than, for example, Sydney or Melbourne, which are nine-hour flights from Singapore. So it is very interesting. You do see this kind of uh, connectivity to the Asian economies, and a lot of that today is also filtering through to the university systems. A lot of the great uh, Asian countries, if you like, very wealthy Asian countries, are sending their children to Perth because it's a three- to four-hour flight from uh, one city like a Singapore to a Melbourne, uh, sorry, to a Perth. And so the geography of Perth is actually very, very, very supportive to being part of the great Asian economic economies of the world, which uh, which is awesome. When it comes to infrastructure, Perth has been doing a lot of work, a lot of work on major new infrastructure. And it's typical of a new world city. New world cities, again, they put their infrastructure in, then they start to grow their population base. What you find with global cities, places like Sydney and Melbourne, they're constantly playing catch up to retrofit infrastructure for a what can be argued at times, an overpopulated place. Remember, Australia is a unique continent. We have very few places we can actually live. And uh, for that reason, we tend to uh, hibernate, if you like, in 
key cities, and Perth is one of those cities. So some of the most recent, I think, amazing infrastructure in Perth is, for example, it's New Perth Football Stadium. It is cool. I mean, when you drive into Perth and you see that stadium, you're like, wow, that is a brand statement. But there are other things underway. Um, you know, you've had recent footbridges built. You've had the Elizabeth Key project, which basically has created uh, a foreshore in Perth. It's absolutely beautiful. Billions of dollars being spent um, upgrading the way, um, you know, Perth interlinks with its foreshore. If you're from Sydney, it's kind of like a Barangaroo. If you're from Melbourne, it's kind of, you know, like a South Wharf kind of concept. Maybe Brisbane, it's like Howard Smith. It's pretty cool and uh, they've done a great job. And, of course, when it comes to money, the Western Australian government is full of money. And you see this in some of the infrastructure. Like when you're driving on roads in Western Australia – you know, they're like five-lane freeways. You're like, wow. And there's three cars on them. You're like, this is amazing. Like, this is what it feels like to be in Abu Dhabi or something like that, which is uh, which is awesome. So the jobless rate in Western Australia is ridiculously low at the moment. I mean, it's, it's something like 2.5%. I mean, that is crazy. Remember, the Reserve Bank of Australia openly states that wages should increase if the jobless rate falls below 4%. It's kind of at that mark at the moment. So if your economy is way below that at 2%, you're probably going to see the labor market conditions basically influence wage growth. And uh, really, Western Australia is at crisis point at the moment when it comes to the uh, different... Um, industries over there just crying out for workers. So if you want a job, if you don't have a job, Western Australia is probably a really good place to uh, go find one at the moment. And of course, um, that is going to correlate to the Perth housing market doing fairly well. And one can argue, you know, Perth is like another country, right? It it really does feel like that at times. Um, You... Um, you can often sort of say like almost like east and west runs counter cyclical to each other. I mean, it it's 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 almost feels like that. It it felt like that last time the property market grew over there. You know, things were stagnating over here, and then things took over uh, took off over there. Uh, when things slowed down over there, things took off over on the east coast. So. Uh, it's very, very interesting. You know, the Perth property market's got some good signals. People are moving there. They're not transient, um, you know, people working in a mine. They're actually uh, repopulating Perth to have families and so forth. The jobs market, very, very low. The equity that can be created in the Perth market is very plausible. It's got... um, it's got a lot of possibility. It's not an overstretched marketplace where you kind of think, wow, you know, how can people possibly afford a property? doesn't really work like that in uh, Perth at the moment. Certainly the worst of their six-year run of negative growth 
is over. And really, probably the future looks bright. Um, to understand Perth, though, you need to also understand Perth is a very long city. It's a very, very long city. It's rather like Brisbane. I mean, Brisbane arguably is the world's longest city. It's like a sausage. Um, it sort of stems from the Sunshine Coast all the way down to the New South Wales border and, and engulfs um, some smaller regional cities like the Gold Coast into it. Perth, sort of similar. And this is where you get, uh, you know, almost like um, a quite a long distance from the center of Perth. If you were to go north, you can go sort of 70 k's. If you go south, you can go another 70 k's. And you've got this kind of huge, long landmass. And Perth people tend to hug the coastline because there is some beautiful obviously uh places to to uh to own real estate over there and again like you're just having to weigh up whether that makes economic sense for you right now the rents are very strong in perth rents are going up there's a rental crisis at the moment inside of western australia but that is really no different to for example, your Sydney, Melbournes and Brisbane's and Adelaide's, there are also rental stresses occurring and at open homes, many, many people lining up. Really, uh, today, Perth is the most affordable macro market. And I kind of say this though, you know, I've been saying it a bit lately, no one really buys in Perth. They buy in a suburb within Perth they buy in a street within a suburb within Perth. No one buys in Melbourne. They buy within a street and a suburb within Melbourne. But today we're talking macro. Certainly, if I was investing in Perth today, I would drill down into some localized economics, you know, what uh, what people like about a suburb, what people, um, you know, where people see value in a suburb, and of course, drill down into some of that um, a little bit deeper. But, of course, Perth has some pretty famous places. It's got Cottesloe Beach. Um, it's a little bit different here. The western suburbs of Perth are kind of considered the better places where on the east coast, the eastern suburbs are considered the better places. So it's kind of a bit strange, but uh, that's just the way it is. And of course, there is some beautiful property markets. You know, the Fremantle area is very, very beautiful. You've got obviously some of the very, very nice beach places, as I alluded to, the Cottesloes. You've got the Subiacos, which are kind of urban renewal marketplaces. And then uh, you've got suburbs, which are quite close to the airport, which make a lot of economic sense. Now, remember, a lot of people in Perth still actually fly out to different mining places. It is the world's biggest quarry. It would be the most richest OECD country if it was its own place. I personally, if I was them, I'd be getting rid of the fire. I would ditch the rest of us. Uh, maybe it will happen. Who knows? They are really, you know, what is Texas to America? Western Australia is to Australia. Is to Australia. So uh, still today, to understand the Perth world, a lot of people fly in and fly out of small mining communities. Um, 
And as such, you know, buying close to the airport or within a reasonable distance to the airport makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because, you know, you often find maybe one partner is is doing something in engineering, going out to a mining community, and the other partner might be working in education or the hospital or in the CBD. So uh, yields are good. Obviously, Perth's affordable. The worst is certainly over. Uh, the vacancy rate has plummeted. The jobless rate has plummeted. So there are some pretty good consumer signals around uh, Perth, that is for sure. The economy over there as a new world economy is uh, is, a, is morphing. It's trying to add different industries to it. So you've obviously got a very beautiful tourism industry inside of Perth. There are some beautiful places to travel to, whether it's Margaret River, uh, to go wine tasting and see whales and have a surf, or whether it's to, you know, Monkey Mire to swim with with weird sea creatures, right? There's plenty of things that are beautiful, certainly from a tourism point of view with Perth. It is improving its education offering, particularly to Asia, and it's also um, increasing its health and well-being sector as well. But it is fair to say that the mood of Western Australia can be positively or negatively impacted from the state of the resources sector. They tend to all work in, uh, a lot of people work inside of resources or connected to it. And as such, you know, you can get these um, these highs and lows on people's mood when it comes to how that works. And again, like recently, a lot of people got dividends out of, uh, out of you know, Fortescue Minerals and, uh, Rio Tinto and and again like these are locals getting these dividends right because they actually invest in their own product that they work at which is quite interesting. So it is certainly I think uh, a marketplace that could be put on the radar when it comes to property investment for property investors. It certainly timing wise makes a lot of commercial sense. I think like any marketplace, you've got to look at the trade-offs, the good bits, uh, the bad bits, and make an informed decision. And of course, I think if you use my 4X growth plan, which is buy well, choose a really good location, something that works with your budget, and of course, uh, understand the market and the good bits and the bad bits of it, and of course, add some value through behavioral economics you're going to do really, really well. And again, I think uh, if you're a pro when it comes to the idea of being an investor, then having a piece of Perth makes a lot of sense, a lot of sense. Um, But just understand the history, the context of Perth, where it went wrong last time, and what it's doing now to make its economy uh, tick. I think... uh, you need to do some research. I'll leave it with you. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. I'll catch you next time when we talk more real estate.
Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.